Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. So glad you're here. Man, God must be getting ready to do something special because I'm losing my mind. Now, some, I heard somebody out there say, losing your mind, you lost your mind a long time ago. Thank you for being here today. Um, while, you're, while I'm getting a few things set up here, I just want to tell you, um, maybe it sounds silly because we're, you know, a lot of people are missing today, but I just got a funny feeling God is doing something at LifePoint Community Church, and, and, uh, and you want to plug into what God's got going on. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn. Um, if you don't, they'll be in the bulletin. They'll be on the screen behind me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Scripture says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I believe you have a word that you want to say to us today. So would you just speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm breaking a couple of my own rules today, so I'm just going to tell you that right up front. Um, I try to, you probably don't notice this, but I try to focus on one particular point each week and then kind of reinforce. That's why we do so many series. Somebody said one time, Dwayne, you don't preach very long. And I said, well, it's really a myth because... It, it takes me, you know, a month to preach one sermon because we always break them up into different pieces. And, and I'm, I'm not doing that today. I'm going to get it all in 32 minutes. Can I have 32 minutes? Okay, Joy, I love you, but I don't, I'm afraid the rest of these people would argue. Um. I'm reminded this morning, and I want to tell you this story, and I know you've heard a lot of my stories about our time in Statesboro, but I, I think this will, make, this, will, this will help somebody today. Um, Don and I moved to Statesboro, and for the first time in my life, I got a chance to be a full-time youth pastor. And I, I was so excited about the chance to do something full-time, something I was so passionate about. So we moved down there, and we hit the ground running, and we were, we were investing our lives into the church, into the community, into the students, and the group was growing, and I was loving it. And I kind of caught in this little habit. I was spending an awful lot of time at the, at the church, and I was getting there early. I got this little routine, and you're going to laugh because it's funny. <clears throat> I'd get there early, and then I'd go home for lunch, and I'd pass out for like 40 minutes. And then I'd go back, and I'd stay late, and we were going to football games and basketball games and investing our lives into those students. And it was so exciting because I was finally, for the first time in my life, to be able to be a youth pastor full-time. See, they called me youth pastor at Loganville, but I was really choir director, uh, janitor, fill in the blank. And for the first time, I was able to focus my heart and life into youth ministry. And it was so exciting. And, and we were just running and running and running. And our associate pastor pulled me into his office, said, I need to talk to you. 
I said, okay. He said, Dwayne, you work too much. And I said, and I, 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 I kid you not, I, I laughed. Because for the, it didn't feel like work. Does that make sense? It didn't, I loved it so much it didn't feel like work. He said, Dwayne, and here's what you don't understand about church hierarchy and when we have a staff here one day, this will be readily evident. The youth pastor gets the grunt stuff. So that pretty much meant I got there early, unlocked the buildings, turned the air on, and I was the first one there and the last one to leave. I was kidding them Wednesday night. Joy was here, and she was like, can we stay? Can we stay? And I said, you don't have to go home. You just, you just can't stay here anymore because I'm turning the lights off, and we're, we're leaving. And I was, I was telling somebody how I used to, in our, in our sanctuary, I would turn the lights off, and I'd start at the, at the far bank, and then I would move everybody toward the door with the lights when it was time to go home. And he said, you're, you're working too much. And I said, you, this is God's work, man. He's doing, I, I, I want you to listen to me. Now, our associate pastor was a, uh, he was a very wise man. He was, he, he, he was a little unique personality because he was the pastor of a Baptist church nearby, a first Baptist church nearby, went to the Browns Revival, got Pentecostalized, and they politely asked him not to come back. And so we, we kind of adopted him, and, and he said, he said, Dwayne, you I'm worried about you because you don't have a Sabbath. And I went, what do you mean? I'm here all day on Sunday. And he said, exactly. You don't have a Sabbath. You don't have a time that you set aside to rest your body and to rest your mind and to spend time with your family and your two small children. And you, don't, you, you haven't got that time. And, you know, maybe for some reason it clicked. And I sat down with my senior pastor, and we determined that I'd take Mondays. Because when you're a youth pastor, you can't take Fridays off. You can't take Saturdays off because that's, that's your, you know, that's like you just can't. So we, we take Mondays. And so I started, I didn't go to the church on Mondays. And it was kind of hard because we lived on, literally on church property. In fact, if you came into the back driveway at the Statesburg Church of God, you could either go to the church or you'd go to my house. That's just the way and so I stopped going to the church on Mondays, and we spent time with the boys. And we would we'd get in the car sometimes when we drive to, to Savannah and, or Tybee Island and go to the beach. And I'm, quite, I'm quite convinced that that conversation could have saved my ministry, and it might have saved my marriage. See, I, I think that what Christ wants us to talk about today are two things. Rest and work. It's Labor Day weekend, and I, I know that this is a time we set aside to rest. But I just want to, I just want to throw a couple of nuggets at you for the next few minutes. Will you, will you just, will you try to drink from a fire hose for the next few minutes? Can you do that? Maybe this will help. Okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote a great artist, and lyricist, and poet. These are deep, deep words, okay? If you know who wrote these words as I'm telling you, I want you to raise your hand. See, I usually have two hands free. No, I'm good now. Of course, if that water would have got on my mic, it would have been a shocking experience. It's going to be a long day. If you know these words, who wrote these words, raise your hand as I go. Hey, I'm not complaining. 
because I really need the work. Hitting up my buddies got me feeling like a jerk. $100 car note, 200 rent. I get a check on Friday, but it's already spent. Working for a living, working. Working for a living, working. Working for a living, living and working. I'm taking what they given because I'm working for a living. Great artist Huey Lewis wrote those words. See, as I look across this room, there's different attitudes represented about work. Some of you love your job, and your job loves you. Some of you tolerate your job. Some of you loathe your job. Some of you wish you had a job. Some of you wish you had a different job. Some of you just want a paycheck. You don't really care about the work part. You just want a check every so often. Some of you wish you were physically able to work. Some of you wish you were physically unable to work so you could stop. Some of you are getting ready to retire and looking forward to all the free time that you're going to have. Some of you are already retired and wondering what happened to all the free time you thought you were going to have. So what we're going to talk about is balancing working hard and resting well. Working hard, resting well. How do we keep the right attitude when we go to a job every day that we don't enjoy? How do we keep from sacrificing our families on the altar of our employer in our career? How do we honor God when we're stuck in a job that doesn't honor you? How do we find that balance between work and and rest. How do we work hard and rest well? Let's see what God has to say. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, the first three verses. I love this passage. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2, but the seventh day God had finished the work. You mean God works? Finished the work he had been doing, and on the seventh day he... God rests from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. If you take a note, write these words down. Work, number one, is God's idea. Here's how I know that to be true. God instituted work in Genesis chapter 2. He told Adam, you're going to be in charge of all of the animals. You're going to be in charge of this garden. See, I've heard it taught and preached and that, that the reason we have to work is because man fell. But see, here's the deal. God instituted work in Genesis chapter 2. We ate the fruit of the tree in Genesis chapter 3. Now, the curse tells us that our work is toilsome and we'll earn a living by the sweat of our brow. But work is was always part of God's plan. In fact, if some of you are planning on going to heaven and just eating grapes and singing worship songs all day long, can I tell you, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think you'll have things to do. If, if work was created before sin, doesn't it make sense that it'll be there when sin is no more? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, I think so. 
So work is God's idea. Ephesians 4 tells us in verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need, because work is God's idea. And work is also God's command. 2 Thessalonians tells us, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Can, I, don't, I don't get political from the pulpit, but I'm going to today a little. Can I, is that, is that going to offend anybody? I don't care because I, I'm just, we've, we've created a generation that is entitled to. And we're, we're messing up, y'all. We've messed up. We messed up a long time ago. Can I just tell you that this generation that we're raising that feels like, okay, well, I, I'm entitled to a place to live and I'm entitled to something to eat and I'm entitled to a cell phone. Oh, what, what if we just plugged into God's plan? And if you're able, work. It says, for the one who is unwilling to work. Can I just tell you? I mean, there's, there's a, we're, we're raising a whole generation that just that wants to... It feels like they're entitled to, other, to somebody supporting them. And, and can I tell you that... You can't sustain that very long. Margaret Thatcher said the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. Can I just tell you? And we're going to talk about this. uh, God's people, we ought to be about the business of working. Now, now, let me stop. Uh, I'm not, some of you are are moms raising children in the home. Last time I checked, that was work. Can I get an amen from the moms in the house? That is, okay, I, I, I get it. I, I've talked to dads who had given up their career so mom could go to work, and they stayed home with them. Can I tell you, that's work. Some of you are involved in volunteer stuff. Some of you are involved in volunteer stuff, and, and that's work. Just because you don't get paid doesn't mean it's not work. You with me? I, I think what Scripture is telling us is, you know, uh, don't, exp- don't, you know, watch The View all day long and, and binge watch Netflix and eat Doritos and expect somebody to take care of you. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. Work is God's idea. Work is God's command. Work is God's blessing. All right, I'm, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. How many of you would say that there's ever been a time when you've complained about your job? So, as many of you know, I, I spent about three years, a little over three years, driving a school bus. Now, I, I'm not going to say that driving a school bus was the f- most physically demanding job I've ever had. <clears throat> but I'm just going to tell you, you towed around 40 middle school children for about 40 minutes. And it'll get to you. Just saying. And in fact, see this little tick I've got now? I didn't have that before I started driving a bus. And I, I was I was riding to the to the, to the bus lot one morning, and I was praying. And I w- well, I say I was praying, but I was actually just griping to God. Is there a difference between those two things? Because I I really wasn't praying because I wasn't worshiping and I wasn't asking God. I was just doing. I was just complaining about the whole deal and whining and griping. And here's and I kid you not. Here's what God said: You're welcome. And I said, uh, huh? And he said, you remember? 
not too terribly long ago when you were concerned about your finances and you asked me for a stream of income and you asked me to provide a way for you, to, you and your family to have benefits and and then just almost immediately I opened this door. Do you remember that? I said, yes. He goes, you're welcome. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I had to repent. And, and my attitude changed. God changed my attitude about that job. And so here's what I started to do. During that prayer time in the morning, I would say, God, thank you for a stream of income. Thank you for, for helping provide for my family. Thank you. And, and I started saying, God, would you help me manage these students well? Would you help me manage this bus well? Would you help? And I began to pray about the things that was causing me stress in that job. And can I tell you, it, it changed. I began to see my job as a blessing instead of a curse. And if you hadn't been coming on Wednesday night, we've been talking about perspective. And God changed my perspective about my job. And maybe God needs to change your perspective about yours. Because your, your work is God's blessing. So we're talking about work. Let's talk about rest. Everybody just take a deep breath. It felt good, didn't it? Jesus encouraged rest. Mark chapter 6, I love this passage. He said, in, in verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Let me, this, can I stop? Does that resonate with anybody? You're so busy, you forgot to eat. Has that ever happened to anybody? You're like, why, why am I starving? Because it's 6 o'clock at night and you hadn't eaten anything all day. Here's what Jesus said. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. If you take a notes, I'm going to give you three keys to resting well very quickly, okay? We're going to go fast. Number one, you'll rest well if, if, number one, you get tired. I want you to listen to me very carefully. If you're a believer, if you're life has been redeemed by Christ and and you're an ambassador for him you ought to be the hardest working person in your office you ought to you ought to represent Christ well by the way you do your job you ought to be the one that stands out in the crowd and last time i checked the way you do that is by working hard you ought to be the last one that's standing in line at the water cooler complaining about the boss. You ought to be the last one that's complaining about all the stuff that is wrong with your office. And you ought to be the first one in line to be thankful that you have a job. Man, it got quiet right there. You ought to be the first one in line to be thankful for your job. You ought to be the last one in line stealing sticky notes out of the office supply closet. You with me? You ought to stand out in your office, in your place of business. People should go, I don't know about that guy, but we can't do without him. Can I just tell you, if you'll work at whatever you're called to do, maybe maybe you're, and this is not just with our careers. This is with the stuff that we do for Christ. This is the stuff we do with our homes. We, we ought to work at it with all of our might. In fact, what, what scripture we said, we read earlier says we ought to do all that we do to the glory of God. Maybe 
can I just promise you, if, if, you'll, if you'll have that kind of attitude, now I'm not telling you to become a workaholic now, okay? I'm not, we, I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I believe in balance. But while you're, at, while you're getting paid to do something, you ought to bust your fanny. Can I say fanny? Is that all right? Uh, too late. All right. Get tired. Number two. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you were here Wednesday night, you've heard this. And if I had to get beat up with it twice, so do you. Uh, live worry-free. Is that possible, to live worry-free? It's not a trick question. I'm going to say some things that's going to make you mad, and then I'm going to explain to you why I said it. First of all, worry is sin. Worry is sin. Now, you don't like that, but let me ask you a question. If Jesus said not to do something and we do it anyway, is that sin? Yes? If Jesus said don't worry and we, for a man that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to that man it is Here's what we said Wednesday night. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What you worry about reveals what you value. If you worry about your grades, then you value getting into the right school, right? If you worry about your family, you you value family. If you're worried about money, it's probably because you want to take care of those that you love. And so what you worry about reveals what you value. You feel good about that? Because here's what we know to be true. What you worry about most reveals where you trust God the least. Let me see if I can explain to you what I mean. So, Dwayne, I'm, I'm not supposed to be concerned about my children. I'm not supposed to be concerned. No, that's not what I said. How many know there's a difference between concern and worry? There's a difference between concern and worry. Concern, listen, concern breeds action. In other words, I'm worried about my finances, okay? I'm worried about my finances. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on a written budget. I'm going to stop using my credit cards. I'm going I'm to, you know, quit buying my coffee at Starbucks and brew some at home. You, you see what I'm saying? It breeds action. Concern breeds action. Worry breeds fear. That means I'm laying awake at night. I don't know how I'm making my mortgage payment. I don't know how I'm making my car payment. I don't know how the, and, and, and can I tell you, the Scripture says this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you're in a place of worry, it didn't come from God. Concern and worry are two different things. Are you tracking with me? Concern and worry are two completely different things. So here's what Scripture says. This is what we read Wednesday night. Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about, um, what does it say? Anything. Don't be anxious about, but, but my car payment's late. Is there a qualifier there? Don't be anxious about, but pray, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. 
So is, if I'm reading that right, that tells me that if I'm, if I'm anxious about money, I shouldn't be anxious about it, but I should in everything present our petition to God, and he will immediately give me all the money that I need to stop, make me stop worrying. Is that what it says? It said, and the peace of God. What's the opposite of fear and worry, by the way? Peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if I'm worried about my money, I, if I'm concerned about I should I should do what I can do and then give it to God. Give those concerns, those worries to God. If I'm worried about my marriage, if I'm anxious about my marriage, I should do all I can do. I should, we, we should pray together and study together and, and have conversation and go on date night and come to Mary Night Live and do all those things that we can do and then pray and present those needs to God. If I'm worried about my family, I should have quality time with my family. I should cook lots of hamburgers tomorrow for my family. Do all I can do and then present it to God. If I'm worried about my home, then I should, I should do all I can do to keep it maintained and, 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 and to keep it secure. But you know what? There's only so much I can do, and I have to give the rest to God. So what I have to do what I can do. And let God do what only he can do. And once I give those things to God, the only way I can worry about them from that point forward is to do what? To take them back. And don't we do that? God, I need you to help me with my finances. And I, and I trust you with it, but I really don't. Concern breeds action, and that's okay. Do what you can do. Don't let the enemy rob you of your peace by taking you to a place of worry. Statistics tell us 3% of what you worry about actually comes to pass. I will do what I can do and trust God to do what I cannot do. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my wedding ring back on because if I forget, then my wife will chastise me greatly later. So here's a question. I, I've had people say when we talk about prayer, I don't really know what to pray for. Can I, can I give you a really easy way to, to know what you pray for? I'm going to give you an easy way. What are you worried about? That's your prayer list. And I just don't know where our country's going. Maybe you should pray about it. I don't, I'm, I'm worried about my job. I might not have a job next month. Maybe you should pray about it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything prayer and petition before God. So, and can I tell you why I'm so passionate about this? Is because I am by nature a worrier. And God is helping me with this. I'm just going to be frank with you about some things. Here's the deal. I, a lot of times what I worry about is you. And I've quit. Now, I didn't say I quit being concerned about you. I said I quit worrying about you. 
And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all I can do. Because I'm concerned, I'm going to do all I can to be the best pastor I can and to, to grow LifePoint to the best church that, that, that we can be. And then the rest is up to God. And I, I, I tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to lay awake at night and go, oh, gosh, I hope so-and-so don't leave because I said fart in the pulpit. You with me? I'm, I'm not going to stress about that stuff. Some of y'all are going to leave because I said that. You want to rest well? Live worry-free. Do what you can do. Let God do what only he can. Amen? I apologize for saying that. I didn't. So, see, switch places with me sometimes because sometimes stuff just comes out that you don't mean to come out. Number three. Oh, oh, we're, we're running out of time. Here we go. You rest well when you get tired, when you live a worry-free life, and you have a clean heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I tell you what's, what's convicting? Maybe, maybe you're laying awake at night and you just, you're having trouble finding that place of rest and peace and comfort. And maybe it's the Holy Spirit stirring you because something's in there in your life that just doesn't belong. God, I, I don't I, search my heart. And God, if there's something in there that doesn't belong, if, if I've offended someone, if I've, if I've said something I shouldn't have said, I've done something I shouldn't have done. And I need you to I need you to wash me clean so I can find rest. All right. So it's obvious from looking at scriptures that God expects us to work hard and wants us to rest well. So here's what I want you to leave this place with uh, on assignment to do. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. Hey, when, when you find yourself drawn to complain, I challenge you just to stop and find a reason to be thankful. Because I want you to listen. I don't care where you're at in your station in life, what, uh, what, what you're doing for a living, where you're at in your, in your job search, where you're at in your financial situation, I promise you there is somebody that would trade places with you in a heartbeat. So be thankful. I didn't say you had to like the place that you're in, but you do need to be thankful and content. Isn't that scriptural? Isn't that what we've studied? Be thankful for your job. Be thankful for provision. And number two, be diligent. Honor Christ in the way you do your job. Honor Christ in the way, you, the way you raise your family. Honor Christ in the way you do. Am I, is my microphone cutting in and out? Hang on. I worked too hard on this sermon for y'all not to hear it. 
guys in, in, in how you teach your Sunday school class and how you work with the students or the children. Be diligent with how you do the ministry God's called you to do. Be diligent. Be thankful. Be diligent. Number three, please, and, and somebody needs to hear this, have a Sabbath. Take the, the two Sunday nights a month that we don't do anything. Leave after church and go home and lock the doors and turn the cell phones off. I'm not even kidding. Take your families and play Scrabble. I don't care. Do, no, don't do that. That's awful. That's too much like English class. No, I'm just kidding. Get away with your families and just do something. Find time to let God restore your body, restore your mind, heal your soul. And, and can I tell you, if let me let me let me phrase this in the form of a question: How many of you have ever said, "Man, my days are becoming weeks, and they're becoming months, and it just seems like they roll on and on and on." There's a reason they call it the daily grind because this day becomes the next day, becomes the next day, becomes the next week, becomes the next month, becomes the next year, becomes the next decade. And, and if you don't pause long enough to refresh yourself, and, and, and you know what? And, and I want you to have spiritual Sabbath. That's why I want you to come here. But it's okay. Uh, man, I w we went over to some friend's house yesterday, hung out with Donna's brother, and ate chicken wings and watched football, and I left feeling like a new man. Not even kidding. Find those times to step away. Well, Dwayne, you don't understand my work schedule. I get it. I, I, I've been where you're at, and I'm telling you, because I love you, you've got to find time to have a Sabbath. Some time to be alone with yourself, to be alone with God, to be alone with your families. You've got to do that. I, I, I don't know how, how else to say it other than I've seen, I've seen the other end of that. I've seen, I've seen the other end of that daily grind becoming weeks, becoming months, becoming years, and it never ends well. And lastly, trade, trade the daily grind for the daily chase. What if instead of stressing over jobs and worrying about finances, we committed all our plans to the Lordship of Christ? It's called a lifestyle of surrender. Mark's been talking about it a lot during Big God. Some of you have heard it. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, my wife's favorite passage says, Trust, what does it say? Trust in, in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways, and lean not into your own understanding in all your ways, Submit to him. He'll make your path straight. Let's pray together. Donna, come on. Hey, with your head bowed, let's. If, if you're here and, you know, I, I just I just feel like there's there's a couple of tons, types of people that might need to respond to this prayer. Um, if you're a worrier. I'm going to pray God sets you free from that this morning. And, and can I tell you, he's doing that work in my heart and in my life.
So I, I, you know, I've blamed my mom for 49 years for my worry because she was a worrier. And I'm going to tell you that's not God's plan. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And if you're worrying even about good things, you're worrying about finances and you're worrying about your family and worried about your spouse and worried about your career, worried about your church. I want to pray for you this morning. Dwayne, you, you can pray, but you don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand the situation, the circumstance that, that we're walking through. You're right, I don't. But I'm well acquainted with someone who does. And guess what? All of your worrying, all of your stress will not change one situation, will not change one season. I do happen to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine. I don't say those words because I've just read them in Scripture. I say those words because He's proven it to me time and time again, and He'll prove it to you. So I'm telling you, let God heal you from those worries and anxiety. I'm not telling you not to be concerned. I'm telling you not to, not to live in worry and fear. And maybe you're here and you don't understand the principle of the Sabbath. Hey, we, we, we don't have time to, to lay this all out, but here's what I, I, I need you to understand. That if you're too busy to rest, you will not, cannot sustain that. Sooner or later, it'll catch you. Sooner or later, it'll catch you. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom. I'm just telling you what I know to be true. You were created to work hard but rest well. And if you're not resting, if you, if you don't have a physical Sabbath and you don't have an emotional Sabbath and you don't have a spiritual Sabbath, here's what will happen. You will not be able to sustain that. Well, Dwayne, I'm working three jobs and I got a family. I get it. I've been there. You've got to carve out time to find rest for your body, rest for your mind, rest for your soul. Rest, rest. And here's the truth. Nobody's going to do that for you. That's something you've got you to make happen. And if you're not doing it, listen to me. Make it a priority today. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll come to me a year from now and say, thank you, Dwayne. Because I'm telling you, what I believe to be scriptural, work hard, but rest well. And maybe you're here, and there's something in your heart that doesn't belong. When we pray, I'm just going to ask you to surrender that to the Lord. It's called repentance. And here's what repentance is. God forgive me I agree with you that this is that this is sin so here it is forgive me and I'm going to turn away from it maybe there's something in your life that you need to repent of maybe there's some attitude or action that's prevented you from chasing him daily and I'm going to ask you this morning while we pray to just surrender that to him Lord we love you God, and we thank you today that you've called us to work hard. 
that you've called us to rest well. God, I thank you that the rest that you're calling us to this morning is not just eight hours of sleep. It's rest for our soul. We can only find that through the person of Jesus. God, I thank you that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that his burden is light. His yoke is easy. And in him we will find rest. So God, for those that that might be here that are trapped in worry. God, I believe worry can be a trap just like an addiction can. And it can rob us of joy and rob us of peace and, and rob us of serenity and sometimes even sanity. God, we surrender those worries to you. And we'll do what we can, but we're going to surrender to you and let you do what only you can. So would you take these worries? We, you told us to cast our cares on you, so that's what we're doing. We give these worries to someone who can do something about them. God, teach us to have a Sabbath, to rest our bodies, rest our minds, rest our souls. And God, forgive us of sin. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Labor Day weekend.